Welcome back, y'all, to the Master of None podcast, and I am your host, Zachary Wingate, where we get into a multitude of things. The intention of this podcast is to master the short-form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. Um, Nothing is off the table, so sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. I've been wanting to do a show a little bit about North Korea and not really knowing what direction to go into. You know, when you think about this country, there's so many different stories, so much historical context as it relates to Asia, Soviet Union, um, dictatorship, and a hermit kingdom. Well, you know, whenever we kind of understand North Korea, we look at what's happening in the last few days. Um, They are focusing and testing and trying to implement and create their IBCM program or ICBM, I'm sorry, Intercontinental Ballistic Missiles. So they're spending a lot of money on it, and they're also potentially entering into another shortage in food. This country has faced a lot of different issues, as well as defectors to the United States and defectors to North Korea. So within this episode, I just want to tackle a hodgepodge of things related to North Korea, so let's get into it. So North Korea has been firing missiles over Japan, creating a lot of different situations going into the ocean and articulating, I shouldn't say articulating, but indicating that they have a nuclear prowess. The ICBMs um, have been a part of the program for a while. North Korea reinvigorated their nuclear program back in January of, um, what, 2014 and consistently have been working on developing missiles that could um, strike the United States. As we're sitting on it right now, within the last week, what we have is we've had planes that were actually scrambled to fly across um, South Korea. So the U.S. and South Korea fly bombers to show force after North Korea launched the ICBMs. So a lot of people are speculating into why this could be happening. Um, They've been testing this this program for a while, and the nuclear program within North Korea is very unique. Um, you know, in the United States, if we test nuclear, whatever, we have a nuclear weapons or there, there's things that happen within the government, we don't celebrate them. In a lot of ways, whenever there is a nuclear weapon or a nuclear um, ICBM that is launched, they kind of turn it into a really big party or parade and they have people within North Korea celebrating it. So within this, you would drive, if you were in Pyongyang, which is the capital of North Korea, and they fired one of these ICBMs, you'd be driving down the road, if you had a car, riding a bike, or walking, um, and you'd see a group of people celebrating it, and it'd be broadcast across the media in order to implement and create this kind of propaganda program. So, you know, why why are they doing it now? Um, North Korea has a history of really firing these, these nuclear ICBMs, and I once sat through a presentation of a defector of North Korea who actually flew a jet. Actually, I think it was his son who flew a jet from um, North Korea to South Korea. It was a Russian MiG. And he talked about different things that were going on within North Korea. The first one being the fact that they use a lot of propaganda to indicate that the United States are these large kind of monsters and we want to come in and destroy them and this nuclear program is a representation of trying to keep the United States out so that propaganda gets indoctrinated into it. But, you know, if you look at the spending of this program, it seems like around North Korea maybe spent around $640 million 
um, within this military program. You know, when we try to factor that spending, it's like um, North Korea is considered to be one of the poorest countries in the world. And with a, I think their GDP is around $28 billion. That was taken back in 2016. And they sell a lot of iron core, textiles, materials like that. Um, they, they, they do a lot of work within Russia. Obviously, the United States has had sanctions on North Korea since 1950. So kind of bring it into to what, what it is now is they are working through that process of building their nuclear program at the same time of potentially facing really, really large um, hunger, I guess, the lack of food. And with the price of food going up, they're seeing potentially that could impact it. But satellite images of North Korea from South Korea have indicated that the growth of corn is down by close to 30%. And this could truly affect North Korea in the future of not having enough food. Um, and we look at that and what that could potentially mean. I mean, the United States does has given aid to North Korea before in the past whenever there was food shortage, food shortages. I think they've given over... A billion in a time period of maybe 1995 to the early 2000s of one billion, one billion in food and aid, and I know potentially too, there was there was situations in the past where where, or I remember a professor back in grad school telling me that in a lot of situations the United States would potentially pay through aid aid and funding in order to kind of derail the nuclear program within North Korea, which is an interesting point. Um, if we are kind of paying for that to stop, but they are continuously building it. And it's also establishing, you know, some issues. We removed nuclear weapons from South Korea um, back in the, around, I think, the early 80s. And, you know, we don't have that strategic ability. We do have bases within South Korea, but Pyongyang is really working to create a very strong capability and, and they have no problem creating tensions. And, you know, it's really interesting because why create tensions when you have no money, you have no ability to feed your your people. And since Kim Jong-un has come into, I guess, leadership around 2014, there's been this increased amount of testing of nuclear weapons and missiles. Kim Jong-un is the son of Kim Jong-sung and going on back and forth to where his father was put into power around 1948 by the Soviet Union and apparently still is president. Um, you know, obviously in the West, we hear so many weird stories about this hermit kingdom and this family, so much so now that even there's there's TikToks going on about North Korea where they're posting a little dollar, daughter, a little girl named Kim Jong-sung-e, and she is posting how great life is in North Korea and how her life is really normal and really showing a lot of interesting propaganda. Um, and the propaganda continues. I mean, Vice did this really great piece back in 2014 where they actually brought three Harlem Globetrotters and Dennis Rodman to North Korea to kind of do this basketball diplomacy mission where they, the Harlem Globetrotters chain was training the national um, basketball team for North Korea. So weird things like that happen where, we're, where we, you know, you interact with the Hermit Kingdom, and sometimes a lot of it is based on... Um, this soft power, this concept of Joseph Nye, where, you know, the United States shows soft power a lot through movies and sports, and that's really what, or music, and that's really what interacts and creates relationships that we don't even know. It happened with China and the United States back in the day in Japan, and they called it ping-pong diplomacy, 
where because we were able to play a ping pong game with the, with the Chinese, it opened up communications for eventually the president and to go to China. Um, I think it was, ah, was it Nixon? I think Nixon went to China and created relations there, which is a whole different podcast. But the point I'm trying to make is a lot of these Western, these Western things happen where people will build relations based on music and culture. It happened for me too whenever I was in China with Peace Corps. Um, um, a musician by the name of Abby Washburn, her husband was Bella Fleck, uh, came to China to kind of to kind of go on tour. It was sponsored by the State Department. She spoke fluent Chinese, and we were helping her while I was in Lanzhou, and she was going to go out to Urumqi, and it was the first time anything like this had ever happened. So the point is, is, is there's these little moments where we use these kind of aspects for diplomacy. Well, sometimes it comes out in really weird ways, and it kind of prompts me into the story of Jason or James Dresden, who was a defector during the 60s who defected to North Korea. And the guy had a really hard upbringing. Wife cheated on him, did not have the ideal life. And he decided one day to defect to North Korea while he was um, stationed there on the DMZ. And he would go to North Korea and in his mind, he would live a really good life. Um, which is really crazy. He moved there and he said that the North Koreans were really good to him, which I don't know how much of his propaganda, but they also made him cut off his tattoos that had any United States logos or insignia or U.S. Army. They made him cut his tattoos off, like skin to cut it off, which to me is just insane. But you'd go on to have two wives and there was a lot, a lot of theory that maybe the North Koreans were actually stealing women, kidnapping them, bringing them back to North Korea because there was also four Americans who defected um, to kind of create these North Korean really weird kind of hybrid spies that they could send out in the world that didn't look North Korean but had ties to North Korea. Well, Kim Jong-un loved Western movies, so he would produce a lot of movies. So he hired and asked Dresden if he could potentially be the, um, the bad guy within these war movies they would make about the United States. You know, and while they're making movies, it's like you couldn't hire another Korean to be American. So they would hire Dresden to come in and kind of do the role of being a bad guy. And in a lot of these movies, his name was Arthur. So it got to a point where Dresden would go out into North Korea or different aspects of Korea. And everybody would call him Arthur and recognize him as a hero. And people would drink with him. So, you know, his life was really hard. He went to North Korea. He kind of created a life. He would die there, I think, around 2017 at the age of 74 having two wives and a multitude of kids, you know. So when I hear these stories, it's just fascinating that things like this are done within this environment. And it's just it's just the, the logic sometimes really is hard for me to understand. I mean, I can't imagine defecting in North Korea. I can't imagine being a villain in a movie, but Dresden enjoyed it. So we kind of prompt this into this whole situation of why the nuclear weapons are so relevant and why they're trying to push for a nuclear program. And not only the why, but what will they do with the nuclear weapons? Well, whenever you have nuclear weapons, you're really sending a kind of power play. What we have to understand about this, this hermit kingdom is that they're considered to be one of the poorest in the whole world. And it seems to be really owned by this family, the Uns, where if anything happens they don't like, you know, they can kind of dictate it and the successors will continue um, and run the country. It's happened for three generations. And they can really get away with anything. We think about Kim Jong-un and how he killed his half-brother, I think, in Thailand with um, some sarin gas. 
where he had a, a random woman come up and put it behind him and kill him in, in public, you know, because either one, he was going to defect or he could tell secrets or he could potentially be a successor for the, the crown, if you will. I mean, it's very Game of Thrones-esque in my opinion. So I think these nuclear weapons are a strategic approach. I really don't know if they plan on using them in any way. But they like to flex and you know no one's ever like came and challenged north korea since you know the war in that way back in 1958 because you had the korean war in a lot of ways within the korean war what you had is you had china propping them up and within that war the united states and chinese people fought one another you know it's probably one of the only times you know when mao Zedong was considered to be a very strong strong general as a result of it for sending people in and fighting the americans um and Kim, you know, and Mao Zedong didn't want a kind of Western strategic partner to be to share a border with China. So China propped North Korea up and they still continuously do it. You know, so if you can think of North Korea almost as like the pit bull for China, whenever they're trying to create some type of tension or distress or strategy for for the West and, and China does pay them and give them money defectors and go back and forth. That's all been proven. So. Whenever we think about this hermit kingdom, you know, it's like, what is the history of it and what's going to happen? You know, we also have the whole thing whenever they did a cyber attack on Sony. So in my ultimate opinion, these nuclear weapons prompt a situation in which, you know, strategically or tactically, there's not a lot that can be done. You know, we had Donald Trump go back there and in, in, in have relations, but nothing really was springboard or created from it. Um, you know, he went and he met with them, but we don't really know what's going on because diplomatically there's no consistency and we're not providing them any aid so i think moving forward it's like you know how do you, how does the united states build a relationship with north korea do they want to have it and and what is the outcome going to be you know you think there's been about three hundred thousand people who have defected from north korea there's only been six americans to defect to north korea so that's just an interesting fact how it all plays out so in, in this podcast fashion, you know, really going over this information is just to present something that you may not think of. But I think, you know, how we probably utilize and continuously create relations with North Korea seems like is a lot of it is through basketball. So if the State Department did create more basketball programs or sending um, ex-NBA players to North Korea, that could really establish a lot of more relations and a lot more talking to kind of better understand this nuclear program that could go from Iran potentially as well. So, you know, more more thinking along those lines, I really don't know what the outcome of North Korea will be, but all in all, very interesting place. Thank you for listening.